0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today.
1: Holly, no, you know what? I'm not... Okay, I'm going to say it. Because I say it each and every week. I get excited about the people that we're going to talk to, that they're probably just going to be the best people in the entire world. And that's probably what's going to happen this week as well.
2: I think so. I'm excited because I love talking to women who are authors. They're part of the film industry. And they're from Alberta. Like, that's the trifecta right there.
1: Don't give it all away all at once.
2: I know. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'll stop.
1: Writer, a musician, mom, filmmaker, and probably owe oh, so much more that we don't even know. Uh, Sydney Trenholm, how are you?
2: Doing well today. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. We like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from?
0: That's literally the hardest question you could possibly ask. <laughs> uh, where from? <laughs> Oh my well, my name is Sydney Trentholm. I am from Olds, Alberta, where I grew up on a farm with cows, sheep. So that's kind of where I came from. Growing up, I was able to go to a Christian school, so I have a fair amount of that education behind my back, I guess. And yeah, grew up in a Christian home, so I've got a lot of those values drilled into me in a very,
2: very wonderful way. Did you feel pressure to go to Bridal, aka Bible College? <laughs> Not in the typical way, actually. Um, it's a different intro.
0: Interesting story. I did go to Bible college for a year, but that was more of a between God and I thing than a family thing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely no spouse seeking involved in that. I actually was in a very serious relationship before I left. So no (laughs) bridal college for me.
2: You're off limits.
1: (laughs) When you grow up in a small town, I mean, the the pickings aren't as much as they would be in a larger city. So how long is it or how long have you and uh, your husband been together for?
0: Well, we've been married three years now. I've known him for
2: pushing eight years. We met in a small little school. I always found that growing up in, uh, well, I grew up in a smaller community just outside of Edmonton, went to a private Christian school, and you really formed some incredible relationships that last a lifetime. For you, what were some of the the takeaways from having that kind of upbringing?
0: Well, I did get a husband, so that's nice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) think some drama later in my life. Check. Um,
0: (laughs) My dad will tell you the same thing. He also went to a small Christian school and he's like, so what else did you get from this other than, you know, a good education, a wife. Mm -hmm. So I took away some solid friendships and also just a very firm foundation in what I believed. We did talk about different belief systems. So there was some understanding that not everyone was going to believe the same thing I did, but we also were taught reasons why we believed it, not just that you have to believe it, because this is where you currently are. Mm -hmm. So I feel like leaving the school, I was grounded in a very solidly, I was pretty solidly grounded, definitely had some questions and worked through some different things since then but largely I have a base knowledge that I can weave through and I know how to look into things because of what I learned back then.
1: For those who don't know, uh, out of farming communities in Alberta, Olds is probably one of the uh, those foundations for farming because of the school and just the community that you're in. Was there pressure for you to remain on the farm, be a farmer growing up as you grew up with your family?
0: There's always a level of pressure to keep with the family business. So like I did, like I said, grew up on a farm, um, my parents never applied that pressure. Like they were always very much so, if you're here and you want to do this, great. My family's been super supportive of my more artistic endeavors. I wouldn't say I was super pressured to stay on the farm just because there's also four siblings, so it wasn't just me. While there's a large farming community around, that's also kind of the expectation is that there's a lot of kids who aren't going to be farmers because you have each farm family has a few kids. So a lot of people end up leaving the farm community and come back rather than hmm. staying around their whole lives or they end up staying their whole lives and they have a great story about how they were born on that quarter over there and <laughs> will <laughs> die on that quarter over there
1: <laughs> and and for all the city people are like what what's a, what's quarter? a quarter they're just exactly. not gonna get that at all <laughs> uh, so you, you had said that you had this artistic ability that your parents were, you know, were they the ones who were pursuing and telling you to go pursue whatever that is?
0: I wouldn't say that they were necessarily pushing like, or even telling me to pursue that specific endeavor. It was more of whatever you set your mind to, we believe that you can do it and we're going to be there to support you in that. So largely with arts, actually growing up, my mentality wasn't art focused at all. I enjoyed music. I could play guitar, loved singing, uh, enjoyed writing doodling all that fun stuff started doing some film work but i never really saw it as the end goal in my head i had it that that wasn't a real career therefore mm-hmm. i need to find something that's going to pay my bills and i was very i was an academic in school as well so i had a lot of i enjoyed studying i enjoyed researching and learning new things and soaking up random information that comes up in conversations absolutely it so for me it seemed like a more natural path that i would end up going to university getting a masters in something And my parents were very supportive either way. I mean, they're definitely people of mindset that you do need to be able to work to eat. When I started pursuing more of the, I mean, it wasn't even like a concrete decision to say, I'm going to start doing art stuff. And that's what I'm going to try to make out of my life. It just kind of took those little steps. But each step and each little decision, they're very supportive of. With my book, my dad ended up being my big bounce board. For most of it, my mom was very much so don't tell me anything about it. I don't want any spoilers. I just want to enjoy it. (laughs) And my dad, almost every plot point, like, does this make sense? Would this make sense to you? Like, how does this, does this Mm. make sense beyond just my own head? And so, especially with some of the more logistical aspects of it.
2: Yeah, that's so encouraging because you don't see a lot of, um, women authors writing the kind of content that you are writing. Mm. I, I mean, I remember growing up, summer situation, and all of our books were like the Mandy series, which I loved. Um, um, the movie that just came out, Redeeming Love, right? These were incredible books that we all love, but there was like this common theme that they were all women in the 1800s and they were um, pioneers. And in my case, they were all white. I didn't really see anybody who represented me. So what for you was that trigger to write something different than what was the status quo?
0: Honestly, it was the inability to find what I was looking for to read. So I think I was 16. I'd read through a bunch of very clean, secular action novels that I loved. I had searched for a few Christian ones and similar. I'm like, there's gotta be something out there that I can read that has my value system and my worldview. And it's going to help me think about that from that perspective more without some of the other things you get in a secular worldview, whether that be I mean, some of the language or even just the whole ends justifying the means mentality. Often with action, we play with where does morality sit. Um, what is actually right, what is actually wrong, especially when you get into, like, espionage and spies, which I definitely enjoy reading about. (laughs) Um, So I just was looking into it and trying to find out, or trying to find a book that I would enjoy reading from that genre, and I remember looking at christianbooks.com and checking out their little teen, I think it was in, yeah, teen fiction, and they had the different breakdowns of the different genres, and the western romance genre that that niche of the romance genre was the same size as the whole action adventure genre I remember getting very frustrated because for me I wasn't interested in reading about romance I was interested about reading action-packed things blowing up high stakes uh, character the warring between what is actually right and what is actually wrong in these situations I couldn't find that so I got frustrated enough one day that I said fine if I can't find the book I want to read I guess I'm going to write it (laughs) And it kind of started off just as that attitude of, I'm just going to try this. Like, let's see what happens. Mm. I think that there was a part of me that only figured I'd make a few chapters and then maybe wouldn't, would realize my idea wasn't quite full enough for this or whatever else. I'd tried writing a few bigger projects before and it hadn't stuck, but this one did. And the more I kept writing, the more it kept growing, the more viable it seemed as an actual story, as well as possibly even a career option for me in being able to be an author of books that are about Jesus and also about spies and assassins and (laughs) things that generally you wouldn't put in the same sentence. But I mean, I know you can read the Bible and the stories there are pretty action packed. So I don't understand necessarily why we've lost that in our modern literature about it, where you have Paul who is shipwrecked, who was beaten and persecuted like intensely. You have David who was running for his life for I can't remember how many years. But a decent chunk of time, bringing the excitement of being a Christian into our modern day context was really a drive for me there.
1: You, you got to say spoiler alert when you're going to mention those things. <laughs> like David and, you know, what happens if we're not there yet? Jeez. I'm, I'm totally going <laughs> But you had said that you you, uh, only thought you'd be able to do a a couple chapters before, but then something kind of caught fire to it. And you're like, no, wait, there's there's something here. How far along into writing this were you come to the realization that, oh, yeah, there is legitimately something here?
0: Honestly, I can't remember. I remember writing out an outline before I even started. I had a board of sticky notes and I had each little event. So I wasn't totally going in blind. I remember struggling to write the first half. Feeling like the first half just wasn't wasn't quite there, but I was still figuring it out, right? I'm like giving myself grace in that. And then I hit the second half and everything just kind of clicked. First drafts, you never know what's gonna happen. I mean, no one gets to see the first draft except the author. (laughs) So it's a fairly safe rule of thumb there. And then I know when I worked on the second draft, everything then I was I was rearranging things, moving scenes from the back to the front, and vice versa it just yet kind of clicked as, no, I think there's actually something here that can be polished and can be made. Is it going to be
2: perfect? No. But is it going to be a whole lot of fun? We can hope so. And thus was the making of By My Own Betrayal. That is quite a compelling title. I'm curious to know, without any spoiler alerts, like Johnny was saying, uh, can you give us a quick synopsis of of the story? Like if you were the trailer person.
0: Definitely. So quick synopsis with no spoilers. Uh, We start off and it's about a young woman named Sadie Black, who has grown up in a family of assassins, which, shocker, family farm girl who's grown up in a family business. It shouldn't be a surprise necessarily that I write <laughs> about that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So she grows up in this family business of being an ass- a hitman. She comes into a unique situation that drives her to Christ and introduces her to this individual she's never heard of before. Before this religion has been kind of just a, some people believe it, but we obviously we don't care. Our family's more important than that. Putting food on our table's more important. She wrestles through some things with this whole new idea of a God who would give his life, to give us life, rather than taking someone's life to per- maintain her own. Through that, decides that this is someone worth following. And as a result, must leave her family, running for her life, turns herself into the FBI for her punishment. In a wonderful turn of events, ends up working with them to help bring down the crime that she was once very heavily involved in and also battling all of those little new worldview changes and questions about what she now believes versus what she did believe
1: there's a fine line and and you had mentioned it about uh not going too far but going far enough to get to the point when you're writing a, a book that has a faith in it is it difficult to when you're writing, not go too far, but, you know, still get that point across. I I think about artists when it comes to, you know, they're not going to swear. So it's kind of easy when it comes to music, when it comes to movies. I I mean, there's the borderline. I mean, we talked uh, Holly had mentioned redeeming love when it comes to your stories in your books. Is it easy or difficult for you as an author to toe that line?
0: It definitely takes a lot of editing. I think that was where a lot of the editing side of things, because it goes both ways. You can have, it's really easy to go, Hit the other side where you're kind of pushing into territory that's probably shouldn't be pushed into. And on the flip side, you can also push into territory that becomes more Bible thumpish than story related. I've personally just kind of had this mental rule of, yeah, like keeping the language clean. Any violence that was described wouldn't be the, you'd see more of the effects of the violence than you'd actually see the violence. And so just kind of having some of those principles to start off with. So for example, there is death and killing in here. That's not really a spoiler, it's about an assassin. I know even there was one point my editor and I were talking and he had mentioned, he's like, wouldn't there be more blood involved in this scene? I'm like, yes, but I'm not going to focus on that. Mm. That's my personal decision to keep that part out, not, not out of it. Like, it's still there. I think there's a reference to it, but we're not going to go into great detail about the gore of this or the violence or just how awful this is. We're going to keep it more on that side of the line. Similarly, if we're having a conversation about Jesus, it better make sure that we're moving this com- this plot point forward. I wanted to make sure that both on that side, the violence, violence um, whatever happens in the story was there for a purpose, whether that be awful effects of sin and wrongdoing and mm-hmm. all of the ugly stuff, but also in the beauty of what God has given us, making sure that that is also portrayed in a way that is realistic. Because as Christians, we do wrestle through a lot of these issues. And so to, to portray them as we would wrestle through them makes sense. Not necessarily, we don't always bring it up at random moments. To have this moment before we continue our story it's a part of who we are and I wanted to make sure that was very clear that for Sadie my character this was a part of who she was therefore this was a part of her struggle not there's God and there's her and I want to tell this person's story but it should really be about God too so I'm just kind of gonna throw it in there and hopefully it works if that makes sense
1: <laughs> is the plan now to have a series of Sadie
0: it started off as a one-off That was my plan. And then that plan has changed. (laughs) I'm currently working on the sequel. I'm almost done the first draft, which I'm very excited about. As it stands, I'm not sure how many books are going to be in this series, but it's looking like it's going to be more than two. We'll kind of see. I'm kind of still trying to figure out how much space each story needs and what we want to actually explore with Sadie. But as it stands, yes, there'll be at least two.
2: Now you are now a a mama. You had mentioned that you have a toddler and um, being a, a female author and writing these kinds of stories, has your goal or purpose changed now that you've entered into motherhood?
0: It's definitely adapted the practice of how I go about writing before, you know, I was pretty, re- like, had my set time. This is when I write. <laughs> don't talk to me when I'm writing. This is how I, <laughs> toddlers, our babies don't follow those rules. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you have them down for a nap and you they- great. I'll have, you know, half an hour. And then they wake up 10 minutes later and you think, nope. Okay. I got my coffee ready. That was great. <laughs> so, so yeah, it has changed the practice. I definitely, I'm not able to, I'm not choosing to push my book stuff as hard as I was before because of having the, I have yeah, a toddler and then I went on the way. So yeah, at the moment, Congratulations. I
2: thank you. I have a, a friend who's an author and she just finished her I think it was her first draft, two days before she finished it, she had a baby. So I have full confidence in you as a, a female and as a mom, you will get her done. And it might not be that quick, but uh, if God's put it on your heart to do, it will get done for sure. Even if you're nursing and typing and <laughs> throwing She's crackers. A- no, it's not. <laughs> 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 throwing crackers She's to like- the other one. <laughs> and just chuck up snacks
0: just i need to finish this theme please (laughs) i've done that well not quite chucked snacks at him but i've definitely we're not here to to judge you do what
2: you gotta do yeah (laughs) we We support you
0: here's something i'm just gonna finish this up please thanks or oh you want to sit on my lap and type too okay well you can type here
2: yeah exactly (laughs) Oh, you need an iPad? Yeah. <laughs> My kids are a bit older, so now that's kind of the go-to, but mm-hmm. yeah, you got to do what you got to do and, you know, no shame in that.
1: In the midst of all of this and and you writing and you being a mom, there's also this this film creativity that you have as well. Where did the love of film and moving mountain production come from?
0: It actually started off in high school. We were allowed to do some assignments using film rather than using Essays and what teenager is going to purposely choose to write an essay yeah. as a group, nonetheless, over. I mean, because I enjoyed writing essays, I'll be honest, but <laughs> trying to write them as a group was a bit of a challenge at the best of times. So, so you're just dealing with all lots of people's ideas. Whereas with film, you can give different departments out, and we all had natural giftings and natural desires in different departments. So we were able to do some different film projects for school credit, which helped us move in that direction and as we kept working on it we discovered that we really enjoyed it and that we saw the power in film especially in the ability to talk about some issues that generally we won't talk about in person Hmm. or talking about things that or portraying things in a way that is perhaps different than how we would assume them so there's just something about going in watching a movie because it's immersive. It, all your senses, except for I guess your fingers, are uh, brought into it. You're seeing things, you're hearing things because you don't really talk. Well, sometimes you talk. <laughs> Depends on who you are as a movie watcher, I suppose. But it's a very more, much more immersive experience. And so what you're able to communicate and um, the emotions you're able to bring from people and therefore it's also the thought processes that you're also able to invoke is a lot different than pretty much any other medium. So We just discovered that there was a lot of power behind film and that it was something that we enjoyed doing and that could be used for the kingdom as well. So we just started taking those small steps, doing some short films. We just actually released a very, very short film, a four minute piece about God's grace after abortion, knowing that that's often a key part of that that's missed is just the fact that God loves you and has grace for you despite whatever you've done. Whether that's lying or cheating or abortion. So we just released that and we kind of were just kind of moving in that direction, still producing smaller pieces. Our goal at the end of it is to create bigger pieces, feature-blank films. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to go to a movie theater with our movie in it? That'd be so fun. But at the moment, we're just taking those steps slowly,
2: knowing it's going to take a lot of time to build. I want to see Sadie on the big screen. Exactly doing it again. I need to see this. I I can't wait. It's like Born Identity or something like that, but it's Sadie, a strong female character. I love it. So this has to happen. So no pressure. Okay.
0: Yeah. I know with a lot of things, I have to weigh now because I'm also the writer largely for uh, our film productions, so I have to weigh. It's like, is this a better book idea off the bat, or is it a better movie mm. idea off the bat? Because there are the differences between the two. And I'm like, and there's always the option to adapt it from the book. There's always that option. And so <laughs> so have to see. It. I would love to see that, but yeah.
2: To- it's interesting because you don't really think of Alberta as this huge place of having lots of uh, film and writers and a lot of the creative. But we talked to Daniel Koeman a few months ago, maybe the end of 2021, and he is from the Red Deer area and he's got a film company, too. And so it's really cool seeing all of these pockets in Alberta of people just being creative and, and sharing different stories. Um, have you found within your community or Calgary or Edmonton, a good film community to tap into, or is this still something that's fairly new for where you are? There's a
0: few good film communities. We definitely were getting more involved
2: in them before
0: we had the pandemic situation, Mm -hmm. which definitely squished things pretty quickly. Um, So now that things are opening back up, we're definitely looking into getting more involved with those communities. But yeah, I mean, I know a lot of film stuff, film work is coming up from the States, because if you park in the right spot in Alberta, you're two hours away from pretty much any location type mountains, badlands, forests, like you can shoot a whole lot of stuff in a very short amount of time, just with a different scenery and locations are pretty important when you're doing a visual medium. So yeah, and there is a growing, there's a lot of growing film programs in Calgary, especially. And so I think we'll see a lot more of a film industry in Alberta in the next 10 years here. So,
2: I love that. And you were part of the beginning, Trailblazers. That's exciting. (laughs) Well, this is the Why Me Project podcast. So I'm curious to know, you know, as you reflect over your life, has there been any standout Why Me moments?
0: Definitely. I think there have been a number. You have those little ones, right? The little moments that kind of push you from point A to point B to point B, or from point B to point C. But I know, especially looking back in my phase of life and where I am now, This is not where I thought I was going to be in any way, shape or form growing up or even, yeah, I just, my plan was very much so I was going to go get a very professional career, wear my very professional clothes and do something that way. I never saw art as this very viable option. And the fact that I'm seeing the power of art and I'm seeing how God has worked things into my life, that's allowed me to do it in a way that I would never have imagined uh, for me My plan also in my lovely career world was to probably not get married until I was older and when I was (laughs) definitely not have kids at a younger age. Not my plan. Um, But there were just things that God has weaved into my life, such as finding a husband out of high school. And there's a point where that you could be like, no, we're not going to do this. Or I found someone. (laughs) What are the odds of finding someone else? You know? So, not that that was the only reason I married him. Wow, oh. that
1: really <laughs> awful.
2: You'll do, <laughs> Oh, no, babe. Thanks. I'm glad you love me. Oh, great. <laughs>
0: um, but just how things like that have built into my life. Now I have some kids, and seeing, learning things about raising kids, and realize like that's a humbling experience. <laughs> in mm-hmm. just yeah. realizing how, in some ways, powerless you are to. Affect what goes on, like they're their own little human beings. As much as you can read every parenting book, and this is how you. At the same time, they have minds of their own, and that these kids ultimately are in God's hands. When you hear about, I mean, we just came out of the baby season with my toddler, right? So all the SIDS statistics, and just oh, like I know that my kid could just not wake up tomorrow, and just realizing that God, every breath is a gift, and the breath of your kids is a gift. A lot of I think that aspect of the why me would be. This is a life that I never would have thought of for myself. Mm -hmm. And the fact that God has moved in so many ways to change my direction is very wonderful because I think I'm way happier here. I look at the other options and I'm like, you know what? I probably would have enjoyed myself or I probably would have felt fulfilled in some capacity with my own dreams and desires. But the fact that God came into my life and said, no, we're going to take you here and put you here and change your desires to match my desires is Incredible, and a lot of times, yeah, it leaves me kind of saying, why, why do I get this? Why is this me? But just understanding that God's grace in our lives and how He's brought us, like, brought me through changing desires and some of the grieving process that happens when you have to let go of some of your other dreams. That was definitely something I've worked through, is sometimes still work through, I'm gonna be honest. And also just other life things where you just look back and you say that God's hand was in every step. You can't really say that I did that because there's enough fingerprints of God in there that say, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Amen.
1: <laughs> By My Own Betrayal is available now. Sydney SydneyTrenholm.com, uh, C-Y-D-N-I-E, Trenholm.com, at Sydney Trenholm as well on the Insta. Appreciate you taking some time and uh, sharing your heart with us today. I'm very glad to be here. I know it's not supposed to be a comparative thing, Holly, but I always feel like we talk to everybody else and, like, yeah, I'm doing this in a film and writing a book. And I skydove and I was climbing a mountain and (laughs) swimming with sharks. I'm like, cool. I know it's not a comparing thing, but I put my socks on.
2: Yeah, you did. High fives. I know it's just like, what have I done? Good thing we yeah. get to interview interesting people that we can live vicariously through and uh, learn more about their adventures and their life and uh, and all that jazz. And that's uh, what I found with Sydney. It was just so exciting to see what she's done, and what she's accomplished. She hasn't escaped farm life, so to speak, right. but she is, um, I think, doing an incredible job sharing stories in in a market that's that's missing those adventure stories.
1: And I do love it's like fulfilling that need. We talked to Drew Urquhart a little while ago. And he's like, yeah, I didn't really see that there was Christian clothing. And so I decided to do that. She's like, well, listen, I couldn't really find a genre of book that I like. So rather than that, I'll just write one.
2: And she has. And she's writing another one. And uh, yeah, there's going to be, hopefully, I'm going to put it out there, a full-length featured film. Of Sadie and all of her adventures.
1: You know, I have a love for folk music, screamo music, and rap. I think I'm going to create some sort of musical genre.
2: Yeah, please don't.
1: (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to the Why Me Project podcast. You can uh, find us on all the socials, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, Facebook.
2: And of course, you can always go to faithstrongtoday.com.